Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TraderCobb Crypto Podcast. Today's guest doesn't really need too much of an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. His name is Jimmy Song. He's the instructor of programming blockchain and a key voice in the space. Has been for quite some time. Thank you, Jimmy, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a lot of fun. Mate, look, um, I just got a few questions to kick us off. I mean, look, you're big on the education around this space, as am I. Uh, we are working in very, very, very different fields. We both clearly have expertise in different areas, you being programming and coding, and me being reading the markets and trading. Um, with the Bitcoin market having taken a bit of a dive, uh, now, you know, historically, this is no big deal. We've seen this happen before. Does it change anything that you're doing at the moment? And does it change any of the coding? Does, it, does, does everything remain the same in the ecosystem or are there certain new things you need to consider right now? Well, I wouldn't say there's necessarily new things to consider, but certainly the coding changes because, you know, developers are human too. And, uh, and, you know, when the price is going up like crazy, like it was last December, nobody could get any work done because we're just constantly <laughs> looking at the price. Uh, so when, when there is kind of a downtrend and stuff like this happens, it's just sort of like, oh, well, now's a good time to, you know, build some stuff for the next run up because, uh, you know, we, we have to make sure it's scaling, um, that there there's uh, enough room to, you know, accommodate the inevitable flux of new people that will be coming during the next bull run and so on. Uh, and, you know, that that's generally the attitude that I've seen the most out of uh, out of the developers is that you get a lot more people that are just hunkering down and coding instead of watching the price or, you know, getting invited to more conferences and having to talk more and stuff like that. Um, you know, when, when there's a bear market, you're, there aren't as many conferences, not as many are willing to pay you, at least. So it, it helps to um, allow more development to actually happen. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, look, I, I think that's a really interesting point that we'll come back to and touch to in a moment about the uh, the building of, of uh, projects and the building of coding and development within this space and within the blockchains that, that essentially keep us alive, right? Now, I don't <laughs> understand that world so much, right? It's, it is not my kettle of fish, but I can tell you one thing that I noticed you say. You said the inevitable next bull run. Do you want to just sort of dip your toes into the water as to why it's inevitable from your point of view? Well, uh, the the economics long term are pretty straightforward. You have a fixed supply, at least in Bitcoin, it's a very credible fixed supply. It's been almost 10 years that it's had that fixed supply. Um, and that that's that's very credible. If it hasn't changed in 10 years, it probably won't change for another 10 and so on. Um, and because of that, uh, that that means that if there's a fixed supply and as demand increases, what what happens to price? Well, price has to increase because there's no uh, flexibility in the supply. Uh, it's it's unlike any central bank where you know if uh, the market gets overheated, they feel the need to inflate, and if the market is doing bad, they feel the need to inflate again. Uh, it's kind of kind of weird how. Uh, everything comes back to printing more money. Uh, but the nice thing about Bitcoin is that it has this monetary policy that's well known in advance. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, as more people come into the ecosystem and store value in it, and as time goes on and people have kept it in Bitcoin and it hasn't you know, floundered or anything like that, um, you know, more people inevitably come in. And I, I, as I see it, the bull runs are inevitable um, just because, you know, you're not going to have like any sort of steady rise in anything. It, it tends to come in spurts. So 
um, that's that's what I've I've observed, and that's what I think will happen in the future. Yeah, look, it seems to be that history repeats itself. And the interesting thing that I find in the space right now, and I, I say this without, you know, I say this as somebody who has an enormous amount of respect for the people in this space because they help both you and me to develop and to run our businesses, but it's more so as a market. It's very immature. It's, it's very young. It's mm. still in its infancy. And and also a lot of the people within it are also sort of fairly young as well. And many people in this space are, this is their first investment. They've never had any experience with stocks, bonds, futures, commodities. This is literally the first time they've got involved. And one thing I've, I've really noticed, especially in this most recent downturn, uh, I I mean, we consolidated for quite some time, so everyone was kind of cool around the 64, 6,500 level. Then it's dipped again, and now we're seeing a lot more tantrums. And I think what what I've noticed is that because of the lack of uh, real world experience, a lot of people seem to think that they just they just they don't want to be accountable. Uh, for making their own money and their own decisions. They, they're very happy to just go, I just want to buy these tokens and everything goes straight up and I'm worth a million dollars. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the real world. This is not how it works. You've got to put in the hard yards. You've got to take the good with the bad. You've got to be educated and be able to manage your emotions in this space. Do you think this is good for the industry or bad for the industry that a lot of people are having to essentially eat some humble pie for the time being? Well, I, I think it's actually good for civilization, at least, because uh, yes. a lot of these people have to learn that lesson, right? Um, a lot of people like, uh, and this is something that I, I've heard over and over again. Oh, you know, it's so unfair. If I found out about Bitcoin in 2011, I would have bought a lot and I'd be worth lots and lots of money. And, you know, it's just people got lucky. Well, no, they didn't get lucky because, uh, as you know, there were traders back in 2011. They bought at a dollar and they sold at four and they they thought they were geniuses because they made Forex their money. Um, it, it takes a lot of gumption. It takes a lot of, uh, you know, fortitude, courage, uh, patience, perseverance to hold through all of these ups and downs. And that's a part of investing and taking personal responsibility over uh, your own money that, that you really need to learn before you can really make these like 10x, 100x, 1000x gains that a lot of people in Bitcoin have had. Um, you know, you can't just, you know, like a, a lot of people sort of uh, invest in Bitcoin and go, okay, well, if it doubles in six months or halves in six months, I'm out. Um, and that's the wrong way to look at it because then you're just gambling, right? Like you're, you're placing your money on a red or black square and hoping that you, you make a ton of money. Um, the, the real hard work involves like really understanding your investment to the point where you really believe in it. And if you really believe in it, that will get you through these tough times when, you know, like it, it, it feels like there's capitulation coming. Who knows when the bottom is? Um, and you know you don't you don't really have a long term thesis for your investment. Uh, those are the people that lose their shirts, right? Like they they're the ones that get out at like minus eighty percent and don't wait for the you know plus ten thousand um, percent. And plenty of people have done that in the past bubbles too. So you know, for me, um, that knowledge that that uh, really test of character is a very good thing. And a lot of people uh, will drop out and not, you know, get get through the fiery part of a bear market um, and instead just get out and sort of blame things on Bitcoin being volatile or short traders or something <laughs> like that. 
and like demand government regulation in order uh, so that they can have steady gains for the rest of their lives. They, these are people that, you know, don't want to take personal responsibility and stuff. Um, I personally think that the sooner you learn personal responsibility and learn how to have virtue through bear markets, the better it is for everybody. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of us learned in the previous, you know, ups and downs, like how to handle all this emotionally. And it's not just like an investment skill. This is a life skill, like crap's going to happen to you. And, uh, and, you know, like how you get through it, uh, determines how, good of a person you're going to be and how, how much success you're going to have in the future. Amen to that, my man. Amen to that. <laughs> and, and there's also a flip side to it as well. I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't cop too much flack, but I get a little bit about when I, you know, I, I found a hedge on Friday to short Bitcoin. I, I, I'm a trader. I'm an investor. I hold in this space. My portfolio is getting a dusting just like everybody else's, right? So just to be clear, I, I am an investor and a holder or a hodler or however you want to say it. Um, but I'm also a trader because that, that is, that is what my true skill set is, right? That, that is what I'm best at. It is reading the charts and trading markets, right? So that's what I'm good at. Now I get people sort of trying to blame this on some, on people like me. Oh, it's because of the shorters. It, it's, it's not just like you can't blame the global financial crisis on the shorters. It's a, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that cause things to occur. Now my job is to react to these as a trader, manage my portfolio, hedge my losses or my downturn because it's only a drawdown until you sell. And I do not intend on selling. Um, and and like I've been saying this for quite some time, it's you you've got the same opportunity. Everyone's got the same opportunities that you and I do, Jimmy. They've got the same opportunities that you and I do. We have just got a few years on these people, on some of them, not all of them. Some have got more years on them than both of us. Maybe not so much you in the blockchain space, but certainly uh, on the trading side of things. So it's this whole accountability thing. You have the ability to learn to trade. You have the ability to, when the market does fall, you can profit from that. Not only profit, you can hedge yourself so the burn doesn't sting quite so much. These are tools that exist for us today with margin, with margin trading in this space. It's just that people choose to do nothing because it's much easier to just buy and go when moon, when Lambo. And I think that this is... <laughs> This has certainly been the year that a lot of people are starting to realize, oh, markets can and will go higher, markets can and will go lower. And you see people saying, oh, look, this isn't isn't normal market activity. It's like, well, yes, it is. (laughs) If it's going to go up that fast, it can also come down that fast. Like you, you can't just take, you can't pick and choose what you want to do like markets are markets it's, it's a war between buyers and sellers so really interesting that um to see what's going on out there in the moment and uh, a lot of screaming and shouting in social media at, at, at this moment in time as bitcoin does fall <laughs> but opportunity is there there's no doubt so i mean coming into what you do mate i mean you're you're more focused on the the programming and the coding side of that now how long have you been doing this for and and what sort of like what, what does that entail well, first of all, amen to all that you said. Uh, that was a really good rant. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, as far as what I'm doing and uh, why I'm doing it, uh, I, I'm uh, I want to train developers, and this is uh, what I see as the biggest risk in this space: is that there aren't enough people that know what the hell they're doing, and uh, and there's plenty of people that don't know what the hell they're doing, and they're claiming that they know, um, for sort of a lay person, it's very difficult to tell. 
I know the reality. And it's that a lot of people don't know what they're doing, but they're just sort of faking that they, you know, faking it until they make it, uh, which is not something that you really should be doing in uh, anything with cryptography. Um, so for me, uh, it's very important to train people the right way and to get them to learn this information uh, so that, you know, if, uh, the, so that we have a continuous pipeline of new developers that are coming in that, that know the best, uh, you know, know what the underlying stuff is, that know some of the security practices that you need to have, uh, that, that can at least grasp what's going on when people discuss new features and things like that. Uh, so many people I know that are supposedly developers have no idea, no clue about uh, a lot of the proposals that are coming up. Um, they just sort of like are script kiddies that pretend that they're experts because they can, you know, they know more than the average person. Um, and that's, that's not what's required in this space. So, for me, um, this is a way to hedge my investment is to create more developers. If a ton of developers somehow like got hit by a bus tomorrow, I think we would suffer, but we would at least be okay because there's enough people that uh, understand the protocol that, you know, like before, like say uh, three, four, five years ago, you can, you know, like a government could have hired 30 hitmen and you know they 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 probably could have taken out most of bitcoin just just by killing the developers um we're we're not Fuck. that fragile anymore as a development uh community so yeah that was a really morbid thing to say but Speaking yeah um <laughs> you got to think in paranoid terms. I mean, we're we're a bunch of cipher fucks, right? Like it's that uh, you got uh, you know the worst possible uh, possible thing can happen, and you have to sort of make contingency plans for it. So um, that that's part of uh, part of my goal is to make Bitcoin sustainable by creating developers because that is the scarce resource, uh, even more so than Bitcoin itself. I would say, uh, you know, like the lack of developers is a big thing. Well, I tell you what, man. I mean, one of the things that, uh, like, what you've just touched on is a lot of basically uh, saying we've got his mutton dressed as lamb. People masquerading as something that they're not. What I call that is, uh, and the whole reason that TraderCobb.com came about <laughs> with my courses and training is because a lot of the stuff out there, it's like, dude. You could literally pick up a book and read that and then throw that book out when you learn to trade and go, well, that was good firewood. That was that was literally it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I call it, there's, there's a lot of turkeys flying in hurricanes because last year everyone just said bye and all of a sudden they're all expert traders. Now they've all gone very, very quiet in, indeed. Um, so it's really important to be educated by the right type of people. Now we know, we know damn well because we've heard the sayings, we, we've, we've looked at the news items coming out that there's been a massive brain drain on Silicon Valley working towards blockchain now blockchain and the mm. programming that you're doing are probably uh, i know that blockchain there's a whole ecosystem within but there has been a huge shortage as you've quite rightly said it so just to back up what you were saying anyone who's looking to do something like this learn this this market it it can potentially be what it was in what the early or late mid 80s as far as opportunity mm -hmm. was for a career step, is that, is that sort of what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I wasn't back around back then, at least in the workforce when IT came in the mid '80s. But Neither I would I. say this is like knowing like uh, the web web stack, like '94, '95, '96. Yep. Like very few people knew it. A lot of my friends like dropped out of college just so they could like 
show people how to do HTML tags, right? Like it, it was kind of ridiculous, like how little you had to know to get into that stuff. Um, I'd say, uh, you know, we're in that sort of phase right now, like 94, 95, 96, when a lot of people just simply didn't know what they were doing. Uh, there weren't really good tools. Um, you know, like uh, it's it's obviously matured a lot in the past 23, 24, 25 years. Um, and that's that's where we are right now. And I'm trying to train people to actually know like the underlying stuff instead of, you know, pretending they know a ton because they know like five HTML tags or something like that. So um, I'd say that's where we are. And hopefully, you know, as, as uh, we mature, we get... Uh, the higher quality people, because like you were saying, there's a there's a lot of people that are masquerading as like real experts mm. when they don't really know that much. And uh, there there's a lot of scams for that reason. There's a lot of deception for that reason. Uh, you know, uh, most of these altcoins and stuff. I mean, I, I, I look at their code base and it's just like a horror show. Um, like they they're either just complete copies of Bitcoin with a few variables changed. Uh, in which case they're not really adding anything. They're just trying to print money mm. or they have like completely lax security practices and stuff like that. People are going to get seriously hurt on some of this stuff uh, because like it, it'll be so easy to find some sort of an exploit. So uh, for me, uh, you know, getting that kind of knowledge out there, training the people and uh, making the quality of devs is really important, uh, not just for. Uh, the sake of Bitcoin, but uh, for, you know, the sake of the entire ecosystem, like getting the right, you know, exchanges with the good security properties and things like that. Um, you know, it's not amateur hour like it was five years ago at Mt. Gox, but, um, you know, we can definitely be better because even the ones that are out there today, uh, a lot of them have code rot. A lot of them, um, you know, can't update very fast. They don't know how to scale. Uh, so, I mean, we, we need help all over the place. And, you know, I, I'm trying to do my part in it. Man, if we were talking in person, there'd be so many high fives going down right now. We'd be just slapping <laughs> left, right and center. You speak a lot of sense. and we, we It's interesting that uh, two guys from opposite sides of the world doing opposite uh, opposite types of skill sets. I look at charts, trade markets. You read code, write code, and educate. But we're both working to help other people. And in the same, look, I'll be, I'm not going to, you know, bid around the bush. I'm building a business business around it as well. Um, you know, it's it's a win win win. We can all win together. And it's 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 refreshing to hear that 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 um, core level. There are people like that out there, like yourself, mate, trying to help others to understand it, progress their career, and help you out uh, on that path as well because there is a lot still to be learned. We are still super young in this space. And let's talk about some of the issues with Bitcoin. I mean, I- I'm-, I'm going to make the wild assumption that you don't hold too much more than Bitcoin. You're focused primarily on Bitcoin. <laughs> um, what are some of the issues that, uh, that Bitcoin faces medium to long term? Medium to long term, I'd say uh, somewhat on the scalability, and this is a second and third layer solution. So um, Lightning is an example of a second layer solution. It's not direct on-chain transactions, Uh, but making sure that that is robust and scalable and does everything that people want. Um, in a way that is secure and everything else, that, that, that's a big project. And, uh, you know, anything that requires the level of security that we need from something that is money, 
requires a lot of review, a lot of uh, formal verification systems and things like that. Those take way longer than uh, what you typically think of. We're all used to sort of like a web timeframe where a company will start and have a website in six weeks and 20,000 users in a month and all this, all, all this other stuff. Um, you have to think more like OS, uh, OS level type software, uh, or maybe even something stricter than that. Uh, you know that like a new version of Windows or a new version of, uh, you know, Apple OS or something like that. Uh, all those things take uh, take many years. Uh, you know, Ubuntu comes out like maybe once a year or so, maybe twice a year, something like that. Um, and it's because they need a lot of. Uh, verification, security audits, and things of that nature, where you can't just change things on the fly like you can with a website. And the worst thing that you can have on a website is maybe like an error, a 404, you see like, oops, we had an error kind of message. It's not terrible. I mean, it's not good, but it's not terrible. Like the worst that you're doing is just serving up a bad page for somebody. You do that with money and people lose money mm. or, you know, you, you allow inflation to happen or something like that. So it's extremely important that, uh, you know, you have the right security and, uh, and doing that takes a, takes a few years. So I'd say, um, you know, second and third layer solutions for, um, for scalability. Also, like a lot of the security properties, you're, you always sort of have to be vigilant uh, on sort of where the next attack is coming from. Because, uh, you know, it, it usually comes out of like almost no, like you, you don't expect it to come from a particular direction, but it does. Um, for example, the last, I, I think, real attack on Bitcoin was uh, you know, Segwit2x, which was like a governance takeover attack. That's not something that think anybody really expected but you know as it as it came to a head that that's what it became um and that's that's sort of more of a social vector that uh that you know a lot of us in bitcoin didn't really expect so um you know guarding against all of those things uh is 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 kind of you know like the cost of freedom is eternal vigilance and that's kind of where we are uh with bitcoin uh, it's it's freedom from central banks and everything else but you always have to be vigilant to uh, make sure that you're guarding against some of these threats that are out there. And uh, thankfully, we have a group of really paranoid people that are always <laughs> looking out for threats. So, uh, you know, it's great in that way. And I mean, considering these threats, just going into a little bit of detail on, on, on this part, because this, mm -hmm. this is the bit that like, I, I don't claim to be an expert in technology, not even close. Um, the threats, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you brought up the government attack type situation. I mean, effectively, mm -hmm. they've tried to put a lid on it in, in certain jurisdictions globally. Um, so far, they failed. And I mean, that, that for me, it's the central banks that seem to potentially at the moment hold, I guess, the biggest threat because this is the biggest threat to them. Maybe not how Bitcoin is right now. And that's what's good that you guys are in, in the background right now, working, working, working diligently, working hard right now while they're not working on you to build something that is strong, that is durable, that is able to sustain these attacks, move on and continue to be better than the current monetary system. Now, it would seem to me that these central banks, these governments may have it in their best interest to kill this uh, wonderful thing that is Bitcoin. I mean, how do we, how, how do we just, how does that not happen? And are you confident that that, that will not happen? 
Well, I mean, I, I think they can try. And at, at some point, I expect central banks to try. But um, I, I mean, I, I think most of them are uh, too far gone in their Keynesian beliefs to really uh, recognize the threat that Bitcoin really represents until probably it's too late. I mean, we, we know, for example, like China, you know, has like banned Bitcoin like 47 times or something. Mm. And each time, like at the beginning, this was like 2014 or something like that. Price would drop a lot. And, uh, you know, like people got used to it. And then, uh, you know, when they shut down all the exchanges last year, like nobody really cared. Like mm. they, they couldn't give a crap or, or well, we, whatever. We're back to 3,000. Then from there, we powered on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we kept going on. Um, and and here's the thing, like uh, governments can try to shut down Bitcoin, but that's the big feature of Bitcoin is that it's decentralized um, and you can't uh, you can try to attack all of the centralized things. So, I mean, that's essentially what China did. They they took down all the exchanges and exchanges, of course, are pretty centralized. So when they took down an exchange that, uh, you know, they, they thought, OK, well, we can kill this. Well, what did the Chinese people do? Well, they they went on local bitcoins, and they were like, "Well, you know, we can we can shut we can uh, cut off the IP to local bitcoins uh, here at home," and they they got rid of that. Well, then what did the Chinese people do? They went into WeChat groups mm. and Telegram groups to like trade peer to peer. That's what you end up doing as you like uh, you know cut off these like centralized things. Is that people get more and more decentralized about how how to do a lot of this stuff and that's the trend that i i expect now central banks can try to do whatever right um i i suspect at some point that even they will recognize that you know bitcoin is the sounder money the harder money so they'll want it themselves and uh instead of just sort of trying to shut down bitcoin i i, I expect certain central banks to use that as their reserve currency so that they can bolster and you know, defend pegs and things like that that you know central bankers love so much. Um, so I, I expect that to happen. Uh, you know, much the same way a lot of central banks, you know, they're the biggest buyers of gold out there, right? Like, you know, like it, it's funny how how many uh, central bankers denigrate gold, but they're the ones that are buying gold. I mean, what does that tell you? All right, like uh, listen to what they're doing, not what saying. they're saying. Yep. Uh, uh, so for me, uh, you know, like they can try, but if, uh, from a monetary economic standpoint, I don't, I don't really see a, a a path where they can really suppress Bitcoin that effectively. Um, I mean, they might be able to do it for a time, maybe even years, but um, ultimately, I think Bitcoin wins because it's the hardest money out there, and people gravitate towards that because it's got credible scarcity. Um, and, you know, like uh, unlike gold, which is heavily manipulated and fra- fractionally reserve traded and things like that with Bitcoin, there's a very credible scarcity and there's a very easy way to check if it's if something is uh, fractionally reserve trading or not. Um, and that that makes it very powerful because you can be your own bank and you don't have to keep it in a vault. And you have no idea if the vault's lending out way more gold than they have and stuff like that. So, um you know, it, it's uh, it's the harder money, and and the harder min- money generally wins over you know easier money. So, 
that that's what I see uh, going forward. There's another high five going on right now across uh, two different continents. <laughs> uh, I hear you, mate. Uh, I agree. It's great to get that additional insight, um, an insight that is different to mine. That's the way we learn. Now, you have got one of your courses coming up in wonderful Sydney. Why don't you tell us a bit about what they can expect on that and the dates for uh, when Jimmy Song and Programming Blockchain is on its way to these sunny shores? Yeah, so I am coming to uh, Sydney and uh, the dates are December 6th and 7th. And basically, I have a two-day course where, um, you know, you need to know some Python and you need to be a competent programmer. Uh, but if uh, you don't need to know anything about Bitcoin, and I will teach you everything that you need to learn in order to become a Bitcoin slash blockchain developer. And, uh, you know, I've designed this course. I've given it over 25 times now. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I, I, I've, I've had enough reps where I know where students get stuck and, uh, and stuff like that. A uh, ton of my students have contributed to a lot of open source projects. I have uh, students working at pretty much every major Bitcoin company in the world, um, you know, including the likes of Blockstream and Bitco and Shapeshift and Zappo and all of those uh, places. So, uh, you know, the idea is, um, you know, I, I teach you for two days and you, you have a very firm grasp of, you know, a lot of the fundamentals of Bitcoin. And then you can use that to, you know, learn more, contribute to open source projects, possibly even find a job in this industry, which is extremely lucrative still. Um, so, you know, that that's that's what I'm doing. And I'm coming uh, December 6th and 7th. If you want to know more about it, please go to programmingblockchain.com and you can apply to be a part of the two-day course. There. And listen, I ask one thing, Jimmy, when you're here, I want to sit down and have an interview with you face to face. Can we make that work? I'm in Sydney. You're going to be in Sydney. How long are you here for? Uh, so I'm arriving, I think, on the 5th and I go back on the 8th. Maybe we could schedule something on the 5th. I'm not sure, but um, I, I, I would love to do a face to face talk and you know, uh, do more of this because this is fun. I think we should do that, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. I look forward to speaking to you on the 5th or the 8th. I'm going to mark it down. We'll work that out and seeing what you do going forward. Also watching, hopefully, you bring this program online. So thank you so much for your time today, Jimmy. Wonderful perspective. Lovely to meet you. And uh, all the best going forward. You too. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Good stuff, guys. Enjoy the show. I hope you've had a great day. Bye for now.